and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris. That, as always, is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something that you want to listen to on the reg, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed when you get there. Rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe, because if you do subscribe, you won't miss our episodes when we drop them on Mondays. And speaking of Mondays, it is not one right now. We didn't do the show on Monday, and I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, But sorry, I got sidetracked thinking about what happened on Monday. YouTube, we are on it right now. We are live. And if you want to come hang out and watch the live show, you obviously can. And you can be a part of the show. We love responding to everybody's comments. So go over to the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel and subscribe there. And come uh, be a part of the show at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT at A to Z Sports on all of the social medias. And A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach writes on the internet. So it's the first week of fall camp and... We're going to talk about that for sure. It's obviously really important, but <clears throat> on Monday, there was some severe weather that rolled through the Southeast. Hopefully everyone is good to go. Obviously, Zach and I are. We're both sitting here, but uh, I was at work and a tornado hit a quarter mile from where I was sitting. If that, I was probably closer than that. Ultimately, um, and a tree fell on the side of my car and got a real nice scare because I almost got hit by a tornado as, as one would when you almost get hit by a tornado, you know? Um, and so that's why we're doing the show on Wednesday. <laughs> so, uh, I hope everybody's having a good night, but, uh, what's up, Zach? I, I'm trying to think, I don't think there's anybody that I know that I've received more kind of dramatic photos from over the last two years of catastrophes that have happened to you beyond that, like a hole through your roofer falling through your ceiling. Was uh, that, is that what happened? Yes. There's yes. been multiple. I feel like there might've been some HVAC <laughs> disaster as well. It's been incredible. Had at, This was all at once. My HVAC went out in, and it was winter time. We were getting a new roof put on the house all at the same time. So that was that was already in tandem. The roof was off the house. There was no AC. So it was freezing in the house already. Then a roofer put his leg through my ceiling, tripped and, and put his leg through my ceiling. While we had no AC, it literally got down to under 50 degrees in my house. It was really great. I don't suggest it at all. Don't ever have that happen to you. <laughs> uh, yes. So that has happened last year. And now my a tree fell on my car during a tornado um yeah it was horrific i and now i i I, you know living in the south like i've always just kind of been like oh it's a severe thunderstorm warning it's all right that's that's fine i'm gonna take those a little more seriously from now on i guess you think you traded like vol's bad luck for personal bad luck maybe (laughs) are you okay with that like is it is it worth it tennessee Got an eleven and two season, and and I had to take the hit with the few the things that have happened to me this year. I don't know. A lot of good stuff has also happened to me personally this year. So, uh, yeah, we, we got a lot more people watching the show. Um, that's that's one thing. A lot of other good stuff that's happened without getting too personal. But regardless, just thought I'd give everybody uh, a quick explanation there. 
but we're going to, I mean, we're going to talk about fall camp. That's going to be the big thing. And then really, it's just going to be that. And we're going to talk about all this realignment nonsense, how it may or may not affect Tennessee or the SEC in general, and sort of our thoughts on it, because it's just been such a ridiculous hot topic right now. A lot of a lot of hot takes around the conference realignment. A lot of people uh, very much up in arms. And uh, Zach and I will tell you what we think. But obviously, we got to get to fall practice. The football is so close. Three weeks, folks. Three weeks from Tennessee football. Really, I, only, well, is it three weeks? What am I thinking? So two and a half from non-Tennessee football. The opening weekend where when like Vandy plays. And then... Three and a half weeks until Tennessee football. Am I doing that math right? I think I am. Yeah. I don't know. It's it sounds good. It sounds good. Extremely close is all you really need to know. Uh, and first, before we get into this fall ball, got to tell you about our great sponsor, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some have stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Shout out to them. Go support them because they support Du Bois. Now, Zach, always an exciting time of year when you see the guys get out there. They've, they've gone through the initial few practices where basically all they do is stretch. And then now we're all the way into having pads on. Pads are popping over at the Anderson Athletic Facility. Uh, your initial thoughts on on this first week before we get into some of the the grittier details? Yeah, I'm pretty much right now. I am either this season is going to be just everything we've been waiting for for the past 25 years. It's going to be 15 and 0. They're just going to come out and dominate. The defense is just going to make that huge jump that the offense did last season. Or it's just going to all fall apart and be a disastrous season. It'll be seven and six, and we'll all be wondering where it went wrong. I feel like there's no in-between at this point with the hype that's kind of building. For me, personally, hearing the defense, the way that some of those guys have been talking, just the way that they're like buying in, talking about, it kind of sounds like Jalen Hyatt before last season. He talked about really just putting forth more effort, putting in the work buying into the whole system. I feel like the defense is kind of going through that this offseason. And that, I mean, that's a game changer. The offense doesn't have to be exactly as good as it was last season, if that's the case. But on the flip side, you're hearing great things about that too, about Joe Milton and the connections with the receivers. So a lot of lot of good stuff being, you know, coming out of fall camp so far. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been some of what the offense has been saying about the defense. It's really exciting. I think uh, it was McAllen Castles, maybe today, I think earlier today on Wednesday. Uh, and he brought up a whole series of dudes on the defense and just kind of named off a lot of them. One of them in particular that has apparently stood out. And I think to me personally, this is exciting. I think for a lot of Tennessee fans, it would be. But uh, Arian Carter, who is a true freshman, a lot of people have been pointing out that he just looks like a grown man out on that football field. And they're uh, obviously from his own teammates, there's this talk sort of like, I think he's going to be an immediate contributor. He looks like an absolute dude out there. That's exciting because if you have like a bona fide three-year kind of starter kid, a linebacker, that's not just exciting for this year. Obviously, it's really exciting for the future, and that's awesome. Uh, hopefully, that actually comes to fruition. But 
yeah, it's obviously we give this disclaimer before every or during every camp. You never totally know what to take away from it because they're playing against air a lot of the time. Everything is this sort of staged version, especially when the media is able to see it. It's like the staged version of sort of what they actually do. And you, they, it, it's, it's like North Korea. You see what they want you to see. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, uh, and, and I mean, we're glad that they do show some of it. I, what I have been impressed by, I will say this, they've given a, a lot of just different media availabilities. They've had, you know, your defensive line coach and uh, today what Kelsey Pope spoke and uh, you've, you've had some variety and then also players too. a lot mm-hmm. of different players been able to speak. Notoriously, Butch was like, he would hide everybody except the kids that, that knew was, what to say. Exactly. I mean, there was, I mean, there was years. I don't think, uh, the quarterback, they didn't have a quarterback talk at all for like months, I believe one season. Maybe that was, maybe that was 2017. I can't remember. And he wouldn't remember that. He would never let freshmen talk. I remember Jalen Hurd got the speech as a freshman and that was a big deal. I was in the Butch Jones' second year and I feel like he was one of the first true freshmen to, to get to speak to the media. But I think it's a really, a really good point that you bring that up because I've noticed that as well. I, I feel like it's kind of Tennessee selling the NIL aspect of like, hey, we're putting you in front of this camera. You get to the, kind of show some of your personality, get your face out there, get your brand out there, because that's a part of all of this now. And they want to give those players the avenue to kind of have those moments and to get out there. And maybe they go viral or something, and it leads to something big for them. I mean, there's, you know, Jacob Warren, for example. He hasn't done a lot on the field. Very important player for Tennessee. He's like another coach out there. But if you just look at the box scores, it doesn't look like he's an extremely valuable person to the team, even though he is. But he's he's made some nice NIL deals, and he's been out there doing a lot of this stuff because of the visibility that he's been able to receive. And, and he's leaned into that, too, and taking advantage of it. So the opportunities are there, and I feel like Tennessee's helping push that a little bit by letting a lot of these different guys talk. Yeah, everything – can be a selling point if you know how to how to use it mm-hmm. and i think that that really is a good one is because being prepared for the nfl is not just on the football field obviously that is by far the biggest element but a lot comes with that the the nfl like interviews and stuff like that that is an expected part of the job where you you really have to clock in mm-hmm. and no matter how things go you have to go face the media you can't be butch jones after the vandy game in 2016 and go scaredy cat run away that's you know they there there's agreements there where there's media access and things and so uh, on top of just the social media getting your name out there getting these kids and kind of viral clips which zach you are definitely a part of pumping that out you you watch a ton of these interviews then you post them on twitter and they get a ton of uh, likes and retweets or whatever re re x's is it re x's now it gets repost this is funny right right before we we started this i looked at my phone and i i'm bad about going to i don't have the automatic updates on so i didn't have like twitter had not updated in two weeks i guess and it finally Mm -hmm. finally went through it today it was getting kind of buggy and I had the lost the uh, classic Twitter logo and all of that kind of completely changed for me today. Yep. Happened to me like two days ago. It was it's sad, rough. It's sad. weird. Yeah. I I don't know what, what this X is, but I don't, I don't like it. Elon, change it back, please. We're begging you, Elon. I don't know. It's actually fine. I don't really care. I'm still going to use it. Who am I kidding? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we, we got a, a couple of good uh, comments already. Nug says, what's up, fellas? It's almost football time in Tennessee. is Oh, so close. So close. You can taste it. Uh, I cannot wait. 
General Neeland, and this this leads us into a little bit of a, a conversation here before we get into the main topic that we're going to talk about with fall camp. But he said, are we injury-free so far? Uh, as of right now, everybody knock on every piece of wood that is close to you. Yes, except for uh, Cooper Mays, right? Yeah, He's, think, and um, it's not; it may not be serious. Yeah, I think there's a there's a few guys kind of banged up, limited. I mean, that's happened. I think Square White was a little limited. Uh, okay. Cooper Mays, I think, has been been out a little more. Where they're working other guys at center, which we were talking before the show about this exact conversation about. That could be a good thing for Tennessee. The assumptions Cooper Mays are going to be fine for the start of the season. Obviously, a, a very important part of that offensive line. But with him being out, you, you've kind of got some guys that, that are working that position. That hey, look, you don't know if Cooper Mays has to miss a game, concussion protocol, anything can happen in the regular season. They're building some depth there. They're getting some guys some important experience, first team reps. You know, working beside a left guard. Well, they're still trying to figure out the left guard. We'll get into that, but working on an offensive line. You know that that you would be expected to go in there and win a game with. I think that's really important. And obviously, you don't want to see Cooper Mays missing any time. You want him out there, but he's the one guy I feel like is going to be okay in that situation. He knows this offense. He's he's one of the main team leaders. He can get by. He'll be okay, and it still gives you a chance to build some depth. Yeah, I I think as long as it's nothing serious, the the banged up, we're you know we're holding them out. Fine, be as precautionary as you need to be because you want these guys for the season, not for right now. You can you can win the off season all you want. That that's not what really counts. So I'm I'm more than happy to have these guys precautionary precautionarily sit out. And so I, I think that'll be okay. And like I said, everybody just say your prayers, say a, a, a blanket of protection for the Haslam field there. <laughs> Make sure nobody gets injured. Um, but outside of that, we were going to talk about who has stood out. You can only tell, as we've already kind of said, you can only tell so much from what you see in those media sessions of actual practice. There's been some fun clips, some really, uh, nice videos of connections between like Joe Milton and Dante Thornton. A lot of people are getting hyped on Dante Thornton um, and some things like that. But just overall, it, it's tough to know exactly what to take away because they are reps against air a lot of times, yada, yada. Uh, but what we're just going to try to say who stood out to us. And I'll, I'll also include, and I'll, I'll actually say this is my first, my first entry into the who is standing out uh, category. It can also count in who's standing out in these media sessions because, as we said, there's been a they've been allowing a lot of access to a, a number of different guys. A dude that I really liked, and how does this reflect on how he'll play on the field? I don't know, really, none at all, probably. But I really loved the media session with John Campbell, mm-hmm. the transfer from Miami, uh, offensive lineman, and uh, he he went up and he just talked about the the reasons he chose. Tennessee and and by reports he's he's looked pretty good on on the practice field nothing but he's probably gonna be the probably gonna be the starting left tackle yes and which hey that counts for a lot and Tennessee needs it badly but what made me really <laughs> really like this kid a lot he, he said obviously you know he, I think he even said like Tennessee wasn't really on his radar at first then he yeah. came and it and just it really changed his mind and he explained it out it's a great clip you should go find it you I think you even posted it Zach I think that's where I saw it in my Maybe you didn't. Maybe point. I, I don't want to give anybody free publicity. That's not what we're here for. No, I, I don't care. You, you can find it somewhere. But specifically, he mentioned uh, the fact that Knoxville 
had Waffle House. It was one of the main reasons he chose Tennessee. And I said, that's a man after my own heart right there. I like this kid. John Campbell's a good guy. Get him in an IL deal. Um, if, yep. if you don't know, Waffle House is it's one of my one of the most beautiful institutions on, on this great planet of ours. Uh, and, and John Campbell gets it. He just really does get it. So he's, he's my first standout guy in, in fall practice. I thought he dropped an interesting little note that, that I would, I'd like to know more about and, and kind of how this came about, but he mentioned that he worked out into the offensive line to Houston to work out with Trent Williams and which is mm. future hall of fame, offensive tackle for, for the 49ers, like a 10 time pro bowler. You know, that's definitely a guy that you'd want to learn from. So media on the game, what's this connection? Are they some from the same hometown? You know, did they go to was Campbell somewhere else? Who knows what what the connection might be? The only thing I can find is that Trent Williams, you know, played at Oklahoma when Josh Heupel was the quarterbacks coach at Oklahoma, 06 to 09, I believe. So maybe maybe hmm. Heupel set that up a little bit because yeah, not from the same hometown as Campbell. You know, Campbell's at Miami, so there's really no connection there. Uh, I, I couldn't really find anything else that made sense. So perhaps, and I think that's when Joey Hosley was there as well too. So several connections to Trent Williams in Oklahoma through the coaching staff. That would be really interesting if, if kind of Hypo broke that out. Cause he also said that Trent Williams was part of why he came to Tennessee. So, you know, maybe he was doing uh, his old coordinator or not position coach, but one of his old coaches a favor. Maybe I, man, I love that. Uh, very cool and hypo. It seems like hypo has like a pretty deep network because he he's had a lot of dudes come come to game. A lot of guys came to the Orange Bowl. Well, the the Giants general past. manager when they drafted Jalen yeah. Hyatt mentioned being close with with Josh Hypo, and there was really no obvious connection between them either. So just in passing, tells you Hypo's good at building relationships at least. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, that's that's a that is an interesting note. Well, I'll I'll throw it to you. Uh, who's one of the guys? that you've seen uh, stand out so far has been notable to you, Zach, in, in this fall camp uh, session so far? Really, for me, it's it's the entire defensive line. I think that is really the key to this defense this season. Obviously, it helps the secondary out because, you know, they've made it. I think it's been repeated a ton at this point. Almost every uh, defensive lineman or Rodney Garner, whoever gets up there and speaks, talks about, you know, wanting to create more pressure with their front four and just hearing Elijah Herring talking about, you know, having freaks on the D line and, and the edge rushers being freaks of nature. I mean, you hear that kind of stuff and it really is like, okay, Tennessee's got some depth. You heard a uh, Dominic Bailey talk about this is the deepest defensive line they've had since he's been there. He feels like they can roll out three units and not have a big drop off in play. I mean, this is what we've been talking about that Tennessee needs to compete with Georgia. And it doesn't mean they'll beat Georgia this fall, but late in the fourth quarter, you have a defensive line that's a little little fresher than it was last year and the year before. And that that could help turn that game. I mean, who knows? But that's kind of what you got to have. But Tyler Barron talking about he's bought in like a different guy. We've been talking about him trying to reach his potential for, for years now. And even listening to him talk at Tennessee's Media Day, he sounds like a completely different guy. He really does sound bought in, all about the team. What's going to help this team win? And it's like Rodney Garner said, he's – He's figured out that what's what's good for Tennessee is going to be good for Tyler Barron. So he's he's bought into that mentality. Hopefully that translates. But it seems like maybe the defensive line could be a real difference maker this season, even if, you know, just from the depth standpoint. And they obviously have a lot of talent. I think that's the most exciting thing for me. More, we, we know what the offense has to offer. 
we know Squirrel White's been, you know, going to be a guy. We know Dante Thornton's been looking good, catching some some nice deep passes. He seems like a guy. He spoke to the media today that's really studying the offense, making sure he's got it all down. He said he'd drive to Joe Milton's house sometimes if he doesn't understand the play, just to have Joe explain it to him and so they can go through it together. So he's putting in the work. We know about the running backs. You know, it, for me, it's it's definitely the defense. Yeah, I don't think you can understate how ridiculously huge it would be if if the defensive line took a big step forward and re- really became a unit that could help specifically help out the defensive backs. And I mean, G- General Nealand, I, I I probably agree with this. He says in the comments, Willie Martinez is coaching to avoid a pink slip this year. I don't want to bring up negative thoughts like that before the season has even started, but I, I will certainly say last season, especially after that South Carolina game, I was one that was like, somebody needs to get fired for this, and it's probably Willie Martinez. And it, so if the defensive line could bring it and get pressure on these quarterbacks pretty consistently and just help with uh, so, so that the defensive backs don't have to work as hard, that's an incredible place to start. For this defense, I, that that would just be huge, uh, and so hopefully that does happen, and that this fall camp is actually indicative of what will happen in the season. And as far as defensive back, you know that that room goes. I hope they start standing out because <laughs> Lord knows uh, we need them to. Uh, there, there's. Well, go ahead. There, I mean, I, I agree with the Willie Martinez thing. I'm not. I liked Willie Martinez. You know, he was around during the Butch years. He was always an assistant. I think people liked. Uh, but, you know, they his unit has to perform. Kind of got a little bit of a pass last season because they had some good games. Defensive line wasn't kind of getting the pressure they wanted. They had to blitz a lot. But there was also technique stuff that we saw. I mean, I remember constantly texting about, you know, we got players not looking for the ball. They're going down the field, getting pass interference calls, and they're not even looking back for the ball or underthrown balls that maybe could be intercepted. And instead, it's a it's a DPI call. So you got to see that stuff in, improve. But also, they they didn't really have good depth last year. You're moving people all, all over the place. Warren Burrell was hurt. Danico Slaughter's playing pretty much every position it, it was different it seemed week to week he's all over the place couldn't really settle in Kamal hadn't it looked like he probably shouldn't have been out there quite yet he might be one of the most athletic DBs on the team if not the most athletic he has the ability to be a great defensive back but he he just looked out of place at times like he wasn't sure what was going on let his emotions get the best of him if he takes another step forward or takes a step forward you see some of this other stuff kind of go away then it's you can have some faith in Willie Martinez at that point, but I, I do think it's a big season for him. Even if the DL does play better, still some stuff we need to see from that secondary that you know, it's got to go away from some of that stuff we saw last season. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, we'll just have to see. <laughs> it's it just it kind of damaged me psychologically last season. Just having them lay such a giant egg in such a huge spot. I just, you know, I go, even if they have a, a number of good games, because they had a number of good games last season. Yeah. LSU, it, yeah. Kentucky, I mean, Clemson. Yeah, the, the Kentucky game was absolutely just insanely great. One of the best performances in a number of years, probably from a set of defensive backs for, for mm-hmm. Tennessee in, in that specific spot when you were already ranked top five. I mean, we all know what was going on there. And 
yeah, I, uh, I, that's going to be a whole season long evaluation for me where I'm going to go. Can they bring it every single game? And especially when it matters, when maybe the playoff is on the line or something like that. I mean, I, I hope Tennessee gets in that spot again this season and that it's they actually really, come through. Yeah. It's really just the, the consistency. I mean, that is the biggest thing is they got to find a way to be consistent. Maybe having a little bit more depth. You got Gabe Judy Lolly coming in as well. The transfer from Vanderbilt or from BYU. Um, you know, maybe maybe that does help things out a bit. But I mean, they struggled even. They had moments against UT Martin in that first half. I remember after the Alabama game, where it's like, what? Are, you know, these guys are just throwing the ball down the field at way too easy. Uh, Tennessee has too many good athletes for that to happen. So it's it's definitely a huge point of emphasis, I'm sure, and and certainly something to watch. That if they want to win a championship, like they're talking about a lot this week, which is the other thing that's been said. A lot of them was a little surprised at how much it's been said. Secondary has to play at an elite level. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that that was going to kind of be my my last point. And maybe we can still shelve it here for another few few minutes. But yeah, the, probably the main thing that stood out to me is the confidence just exuding from this team right now. But before we we do go to that, a couple more players. I mean, you already mentioned him. Dante Thornton has been one. I mean, the guy is six five. Yeah, we saw him in person back at the spring game, and we were yes. like impressed at just the instant NFL size, long arms, just looks like one of those dudes. Yeah, he's a burner, and and I think is set up perfectly for what Josh Heupel wants to do. And then, I mean, you, you just add in the speed of, of Squirrel White, Yad and Brew, and that whole set of dudes. That's, Keaton, that's Ramel Keaton. Ramel Keaton. And, and every everybody forgets him, and he. I mean, he had some of the most clutch, huge mm-hmm. catches last season. I mean, the and, Florida catch, the last drive of the Alabama game. Yep. Whew, I all yeah. the way to so, that nice little strutting into the end zone touchdown reception against Clemson. Yeah, to that that backbreaker touchdown against yes. Clemson. Yeah, I mean, and and that's that's a set of dudes you're working with wide receiver. That that's just massive. And yeah, beyond that, I think. I already mentioned offensive linemen, but to to talk about their play on on the actual field, we we need more guys to emerge. Uh, mm-hmm. As you said, they're they're figuring it out still on the offensive line because you're replacing who was likely the best offensive lineman in the Southeastern Conference last season. And so where where do they go there? How do they do that? Replace not just that play, but that leadership uh, that that uh, that was brought on. You know. That that is that's a huge one that scares me with that offense oh, yeah. too. Is the leadership, you know, from Hinton Hooker, and just his his level headed, ice cold, just the the way that he was just like calculating and smooth in everything that he did. I like that, and not that Joe Milton I think is going to be some erratic, you know, terrible. Well, you're starting over. Like we are out there. I mean, you're, you're but starting exactly. Over. You're kind of starting from zero, and there's there's a lot there. That, like you can't tell that from fall camp. I mean, you can tell. Obviously, Milton is a leader out there, and he's very vocal, and he's very confident, and all all these different things. But you're not going to know how that translates to him being a field general until you get to like that Florida game this season. No, and and they've already went through this once, right? Two years ago, when they thought through fall camp or through spring camp and fall camp that that Joe Milton would be the guy. I listened to Alex Golish just last week at his USF press conference say, 
you know, at my previous place, I thought I had it figured out, but you really never know until they're out there on the field, bullets are flying and you got to see what they have and how they react. And he's like, we were wrong. And I mean, it happens. I, I've seen them catch a lot of shade for that, but you really don't know. I mean, we've seen it for the last I mean, 15 years. It seems like guys get a chance, Josh Dobbs, all that stuff. You just don't know. I mean, until they get in there. So it's not like an insult to Joe Milton to say that that's a no. question mark. I don't think. Well, I, I mean, Mr. Jones says here, I think Joe took a lot of weight from Hooker as far as knowing how to lead. I certainly hope so. And it does seem like Joe has just grown leaps and leaps and bounds from when he he first got to Tennessee. But, I mean, G- General Nealon addresses my exact kind of worry here. Hooker turned sacks into big plays so mm-hmm. many times. He spoiled us. Yes, that's he a big did. One. And, that, and the, that's been the, the biggest question from everybody. Can Joe run? He's a tank out there i we know he can run and we know he has speed and he obviously has size will he use it and and does he have the field vision exactly is does he have the same cerebral way of seeing the field like dobbs and hooker you mentioned there like you have to have a feel it's Mm. it's definitely like an it can be learned with practice i without a doubt i'm sure but it's just a feeling of knowing you you can feel somebody coming from your backside or, or just knowing what's out in front of you. Uh, can, can he, he do that? I, I certainly hope so. But to, to say, I mean, obviously Joe Milton is one of the guys who stood out and this can lead us into the part of the conversation that I mentioned before, the amount of confident rhetoric, I guess you want to call it coming from these dudes is as a Tennessee fan who was obviously damaged by years and years and years of nonsense. Oh, it it gives me butterflies in my stomach because obviously the hope of how good you are thinking in your mind that this team could be, and you also think back to when this has happened in the past and it blows up right in your face. That's happened too. And and you think back to last season, that team was just so unassuming and came out of absolutely nowhere, and that was such a great feeling because you just took everybody by surprise. Like it was just Tennessee sideswiped the entirety of college football and was, they were just, here we are, we're back. Hello folks. Welcome. Uh, and now you're a known entity. You kind of have that target on your back more and they're still, they're coming out with that swagger and that confidence. And it's, it's really interesting. I, I don't know how to feel about it, frankly. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure this out too, because Josh Heupel does things like his playbook is it's almost He's not Steve Spurrier. I'm not saying that at all, but his playbook for how to handle himself and, and his team is more of a Steve Spurrier type approach, I feel like, than you know, Kirby Smart or Nick Saban or some of these classic kind of old school, just different approaches. And I think so I think that all starts with Josh Heupel. I mean, that's the type of confidence he has. I mean, you know, Joe Milton said it in an interview with Marty and McGee. Said you could look in Josh Heupel's eyes when he said he wanted to win the East, and you can see how much it means to him and how much he wants that. Like that's just how competitive he is, and I think that's just permeated, you know, to the rest of the team. What's interesting to me is you know, most teams don't want big expectations. They don't. I mean, we've seen Nick Saban try to try to hush that stuff for years and call it rat poison. We've seen Kirby Smart just outright lie to his team and tell him tell them that no one believes in them. To create this edge and I think Tennessee has that edge because I think they feel that but they're also like they're putting these expectations on themselves uh it's nobody else and they're putting the highest expectations on themselves in a season where nobody's picking them to make the playoff I mean you might see a few dark horse you know Tennessee's a dark horse candidate to reach the 14 playoff 
but nobody's seriously putting a prediction out there saying, hey, I think it's going to be, you know, Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, and, and you know, USC or whoever. Uh, so it, I think it's interesting that they're not running away from that at all. I do wonder how they handle it if they if they start having some success because I think we talked about this last week. That's kind of where they ran into some trouble last season. They got to number one in the nation. They lost. Rebound against Missouri. Oh, playoff is still there. You just got to win out. They lost. So in those big moments where kind of all of a sudden the script was flipped a little bit and it was, okay, okay, we are expecting you to do something now, Tennessee. They came up short, except in that Clemson game where they kind of got, got back on track. So I'm very interested to see how they handle this demeanor and this confidence going into 2023 season. And, and really it's a – so far what we've heard from them, the way that they've put the past in the past and and moved on from 2022 and they have this laser focus on 2023 and what they have to do this season and it's a new team. And I think there's been a nice and a clean enough break from 2022 where they're, you're not going to have this hangover – you know, coming in where they try to be that same team. They're forming their own identity. They understand that success won't happen in 2023 just because it happened in 2022. So I think the fact that we're also hearing that along with the confidence should make, you know, should make Tennessee fans feel feel good about this, that that this team's going to do something special this season. It doesn't mean they will for sure, but I think that's more likely than them just totally falling flat. Yeah, I, I agree with, with all of that. I just, Comment from the distinguished gentleman kind of adds to what uh, we're talking about here. He said, do you guys think that the Vols are going to look too far ahead to the dogs and possibly lose three games before then? I don't know why three games. That's very specific. But um, personally, and I mean, it, it, like I said, it's, it's what we're talking about there. Can they rise above how they, they were sort of feeling themselves going into that South Carolina game and ended up biting them uh, here? you have that potential of coming in too, too hot on the front end. Mm. You know, there's a lot of belief before the season. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, that was the storyline before the Kentucky game last year. Yes. And they came out and they smashed Kentucky's head in They're They've been able to in Josh Eiple's time so far, deliver on confidence. Yes. They blew it in a South Carolina game. Now that was also, a moment. I think they were looking at the playoff. They saw it. Yes, exactly. They, they, the job. they, they were high on the playoff fumes. And and they lost themselves, and and took it way too lightly. And so I I, I mean that's a learning moment for Josh Heupel, and, and I team. think he he's gonna yeah not just the team, but I think he's gonna come in even more on fire to have his team not do that at all this season. Do not believe your own hype. Do not get too high like that. You want to have confidence. You want to believe in the system. You want to be you want to be really bought in to what is happening at Tennessee. And clearly these guys are. But you don't you don't want to be feeling yourself and and look over Virginia. Uh, not that I mean, <laughs> I really hope that you don't overlook Virginia. That would be horrendous, at least relative to how good is supposedly Virginia is supposed to be or how bad Virginia is supposed to be. Yeah. Really. Um, but yeah, I I don't think so. There's just too many huge games and landmines. I mean, that Florida game is so that's one of the biggest games in years for Tennessee in terms of mm-hmm. kind of what it means and in, in being able to win in the swamp for the first time since 03 Alabama game the south the south carolina game the emphasis that there's going to be on coming in focused for that south carolina game you have them back in Neyland. I like i i don't think so personally is it possible without a doubt cuz maybe this team just simply isn't as good as we think they they will be they think they will be but 
Uh, we can kind of finish with this, with this particular conversation. Coaches poll came out uh, this week, the USA Today coaches poll. And Tennessee is top 10. And this was something that a lot of people brought up. Uh, the USA Today coaches poll in 1998. <laughs> Tennessee was number 10 <laughs> preseason. Uh, there's it's so many people have brought that up. Where They were also preseason number 10 in 2016. That yeah, exactly. So don't count don't count your chickens there. Um, but yeah, so many people have brought up like, oh, the '97 was supposed to be the year, and the '98 was the year, and you changed quarterbacks from '97 to '98. You thought you had the guy with Peyton Manning that was going to win you a title, and then T. Martin actually did it the next year. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people have brought up all of these kind of parallels. This one obviously adds to that fire. But with that aside, what do you think of this? The top ten ranking. I mean, I think that's pretty fair. I, I I didn't love that they were right below Clemson just because I feel like you you beat a yeah, some annoying. like a kind of the early version of the twenty twenty three Vols destroyed the early version of the twenty twenty three Clemson Tigers. So I don't really know how that makes sense, but a lot of it's reputation. I mean, Alabama really doesn't have a case to be ranked top five. If you think about it, they lost their all-world quarterback, maybe the best quarterback Nick Saban's ever had in Bryce Young. You lose Will Anderson, you know, a top three draft pick, edge rusher. You've got to replace those guys. We still don't know who Alabama's quarterback is going to be in their preseason, you know, top five. That that doesn't necessarily add up to me, but that's Nick Saban's reputation. He's earned that. More often than not, they've been ranked there, and they've been proven correct, you know. So I guess you just kind of got to take that, but – the polls don't mean a whole lot. Tennessee finished unranked last year. I mean, started unranked last year, and they were the number one team in the first college football playoff rankings. They moved up that fast. So you can get to where you need to be, especially being an SEC program, if you win the games you're supposed to win. Um, so when the AP poll comes out, see where they're at there, probably in the same range. They'll have, you know, they, they could be top five by the end of September if they beat Florida and South Carolina. Uh, a lot of expectations. Uh, Will Tennessee meet them? We will see. However, however long it may be. I don't know if I did my calculation right, but something like three-ish weeks, we're yeah. going to find out. Um, anything else with uh, tennis, with fall camp, specifically before we move on to talking about all this realignment nonsense that, that we'll finish this show with? But anything else, Zach? I think it's impressive the just the amount of players that have that have stepped up as leaders in the absence of other players leaving. Obviously, we know about Joe Milton, Ramel Keaton kind of stepping into that role. Brew McCoy becoming more of a leader. We already talked about Tyler Barron. Javante Spragans, who is the other kind of sure thing on that offensive line. He seems like a guy. He spoke to the media, I think it was yesterday or Monday. I can't remember. But he's just seemed all business, very focused. Very, You know, he's a, a funny guy, great sense of humor, great energy. But you could just tell he just seemed very focused on what they have to do leading this team, talking about the, you know, the players coming up, how they, they can make an impact even after he's gone. I really liked kind of hearing that from him. I think he's going to be, uh, they need him to, you know, be an NFL draft pick basically on this offensive line this season. So I think that's something, you know, worth pointing out as well. Absolutely. I, and actually this is an interesting note here. Mr. Jones says is Nico ready. Something that I found interesting is that Nico really hasn't gotten brought up in much of the conversation around fall ball. He's obviously yeah, been early on. Out. He's there, but it like there, there hasn't been all of this hype of like, look at, look at Nico nipping at the, 
heels of Joe Milton or anything like that. Cause you know, it, it has felt like, and I think it really will be the case if Joe stumbles. Oh yeah. People are going to be calling for it, but Joey Hosley, the offensive coordinator, you know, said, I think it was the first day of practice that they feel confident in Nico. If they, if he has to go in there, I mean, he's a true freshman. He's, you know, at this time last year, he's getting ready for a senior year of high school. And they're confident in him going out there against SEC competition, fourth, fifth-year seniors, uh, those types of dudes that have been around a while and are going to be in the NFL very soon. I mean, that's about as big of a compliment as you can give a true freshman quarterback. Even though he's not the starter, when was the last time you really heard a coach kind of – usually they're dialing it back. He's got a long way to go. We've seen some good things. But, I mean, these, these coaches are all about giving these players confidence. You can really see that instead of – kind of knock them down a notch, which I'm sure that happens during practice. I'm, I mean, we heard Rodney Gardner do it to Shandavian Bradley uh, <laughs> just great. this week. But, so they're not afraid to do that. But, it, you know, publicly, at least, they're not kind of taking that taking that path, a lot of these coaches. Yeah, that's been the case with Nico the entire time. It just seems like everybody that has watched that kid up close and really gotten to see what what he can do they almost all walk away going like, oh, he's going to be special. Mm-hmm. He's, And that that's scary because as we were already talking about with other players, you never know how it's going to translate when when you're under the big lights in SEC football game and, and actually have to translate it in, in action. But yeah, that it, it really is interesting how just nobody is like, oh, he has a ton of growing to do. That has not been said about this kid. And well, I so ho- hopefully that is true, but hopefully Joe Milton has a Heisman season and takes Tennessee to a national championship. That would be the ideal outcome. Let's just <laughs> let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, but even, you know, even if he does, there 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 will still be moments. I mean, Joe Milton had to come in a few times. I feel like last year, if Hooker came out for a play or two, and then obviously mop up duty. There's going to be a point where Nico has to come into the game in an important series and and get something you know done. I mean, even Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs last year sprains his ankle and as bad i mean they pretty much had to drag him off the field they started to have the backup come in there and lead a drop i mean it just no matter how elite you are that is a possibility and when you're playing football 12 13 14 games a year there's just a really good chance that that's going to happen so you know probably going to see nico take a couple of important snaps at the very least and at least if he does it sounds like tennessee's very confident that he'll be able to deliver I hope he really is ready and that all that hype is is true. We'll see. But let's uh, finish the show with this. It's been all the talk of college football, all of this realignment. Why is it happening right now, right before the season starts? Your guess is kind of as good as mine. Um, but we're going to discuss it all right after I tell you about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory than Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Logstill Distillery has released a Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap, named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version. Uh, I've had both. They are both awesome. They both go great in cocktails. They're also awesome just uh, straight out of the bottle and and, uh, into a glass. So go find them in stores across the state of Tennessee. They're also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. Run, don't walk to get yourself some rattle and snap whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. Uh, follow them on Instagram at rattle and snap whiskey. Thank you to them. Go stock up on your bottles now. 
because Lord willing, we're going to be watching a lot of Tennessee victories here in the next few months. Um, this realignment is, uh, I'm sure that other people have this take, but I felt like I have different feelings on it than a lot of people do. There's a lot of takes, especially from the sports media. And I know a lot, you know, every Tennessee fan, we clown on the sports media constantly. Here comes another one here, at least for me. They're just, oh, what a sad day. The Pac-12 is gone and RIP to all of college football. I saw one guy say the Pac-12 falling apart means that we need to send it to Congress and have like laws written up where the NCAA can't do this. I, a lot of real hot takes about this stuff. My take on it was this. The Pac-12 has been a trash fire for years and years and years. They are essentially non-competitive on the largest stage in college football. And not only that, they're led by a bunch of morons at the league level uh, who screwed up everything, screwed up the TV deals, and and just the general running of the conference has just been poor. And they kind of asked for it. This, in a lot of ways, is their own fault. They mismanaged the league. Then USC and UCLA wanted to leave, and so they did because of the mismanagement. And those are your biggest dominoes default. This was This was going to happen. This was always going to happen. It was over when USC and UCLA officially jumped. It was over. And now you, you're left with teams that already should have been in the Mountain West Conference having to go join the Mountain West Conference. <laughs> uh, and I, I just don't, I'm just not that upset about it. The only thing that I dislike is that you are losing some very interesting rivalries that, that are historical and have always been uh, fun. But you're also turning around and you're going to get a lot of fun football out of it in the leagues that they're joining. It's going to be weird. And it's especially going to be weird in non-football sports, but football pays all the bills. And that's something that a lot of people also don't really want to face the music on. Um, is that the way that it should be? That's a whole different conversation, but it is the way that it is. And I, I don't know, as I said, I'm sure there are other people that have this take and I know a lot of people probably disagree with that, but what, what did you think uh, oh, about everything okay. that's happened? Yeah, my take ends up being kind of boring because I always view stuff like this as, uh, you know, I don't love certain things that have happened with, with sports when it changes, but, you know, whether it's a rule, a team changing leagues, divisions, conferences, whatever it might be, like, yeah, I'd rather them not do that, but it's going to happen either way. So let's just move forward instead of thinking about how it was. Let's just, you know, this is, this is how it's going to be. So that's always kind of been my mindset on that stuff. Let's not just, you know, whine about how it used to be type deal. So I don't, you know, the SEC is fine, obviously. They took care of business. They saw kind of where everything was heading. They went and got the possibly two premier schools and brands that that they could get, brought them in and kind of closed the doors. And they can be real selective now. And to me, that's all I care about. You know, I'm not going to watch a ton of Pac-12 football anyway. If these there's rivalries that are going away, that if I'm being honest, I just wasn't really tuning into that often Anyway, it's like, okay, I might watch it if it's on, but I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. I'm not going to cancel plans. I'm not going to skip, you know, my kid's baseball game or something to go watch Oregon and Stanford or whatever, Stanford, whoever it ends up being, you know, that, that, that these rivalries are going away. It's a mess. It's going to be weird. But, you know, I think college football is undergoing this huge transformation right now that might take five or so years to really complete. And the sport's going to look a lot different than it did, you know, previous you know what we grew up watching obviously it already does 
but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think things have to evolve, especially with all the money in the sport right now. I think there's a lot of ways that you can make things better. And the money going into the sport is also, you know, you're seeing that show up on game days too. I mean, look at the experience at Tennessee and how that's improved. I mean, we know Tennessee made a quite a bit of money the last calendar year. I can't remember the athletic reported. Do you remember how much it was? I mean, it was a significant amount, right? Yeah, a ton. Uh, but you're yeah, seeing it's like that. millions and like maybe you know, millions, but you're seeing that, you know, kind of show up in the form of this incredible game day experience. And there's other places that's happening at as well. So, I mean, I don't know how all the puzzle pieces are going to fit together, but I think it's something that kind of has to happen and it's got to go through this evolution and we'll just see what it looks like on the other side. It's, it's going to look a lot different. But ultimately, football is still going to be played on Saturdays. You're still going to have these great, you know, cathedrals of college football hosting these games. You're going to get to see that every Saturday. And as long as that remains, you know, we'll figure out the rest. Exactly. I mean, that, that really is it. I just, I'm so hard pressed to get super upset like a lot of these people I mean, have. They been. just want to be, I mean, most of the people in the national media and even some local media, like they love just getting mad and railing against. Yeah whatever it is and having this strong opinion. And to me, it just seems like such a waste of time because it's not changing. I mean, the the money is going to take this sport to wherever it goes. That's going to drive the decisions and you don't have to love it. No, I love the pageantry of college football. I love the tradition. I love, I mean, if it would have never changed, I would have been just fine with a lot of different things, but it's just not the, it's not the world we live in. It's just not how it's going to be. So we just got to kind of see how it all plays out and kind of buckle up and, if you enjoy the ride necessarily but you you experience it at least and you hang on yeah i mean <laughs> it was a lot of people saying like think of oregon versus oregon state and i you know i'm reading that going uh okay yeah, like i'm not you got I a better I one like what I, I don't care i'm sorry i'm not i'm, I'm not I a just, I, like, this oh. is not alabama lsu it's just not it's not tennessee alabama it's not i mean Maybe Honestly, it makes me less of a college football fan. I, I mean, to me, you're going to watch SEC football, and it's the best college football in the country. I'll watch some some Big Ten. I'll watch Penn State, Ohio State, Ohio State, Michigan. Those are huge games I enjoy as well. I won't just completely be like an SEC homer. But outside of kind of stuff like that, maybe some Clemson, Florida State, Miami, I, I just don't care about the Pac-12. I don't care about Pac-12 after dark. I don't really care about these, like you said, Oregon, Oregon State. It's just I'd rather watch LSU, Alabama, and go to bed or something. I don't know. Like that's just <laughs> my viewpoint. I, I do, I do, hey. I do think Eli Drinkwitz makes a great point about the non-revenue sports and kind of how that works and how that sure. looks. Traveling from Oregon to New Jersey so they can play Rutgers that doesn't make a lot of sense, and that is annoying for the student athletes. It's annoying for a family member that maybe has never missed a game of their, you know, what kid or whatever. And now they got to fly to New Jersey or figure out that. I mean that, yeah, that is collateral damage though. I mean, it's not, it, it is what it is. It's not going to change. I don't love it. I wouldn't love it if I was the the parents of those kids. But again, what are you, what are you going to do? I mean, if we're the money from the football is propping a lot of those sports up. Yeah, it, it is silly. Because theoretically, you want probably your regionally based conference to be like, oh, we could go there on a bus ride, hopefully. Yeah. But ultimately, I mean, even what is it? Two extra hours on an airplane. It's not like it's like some totally life changing. You're going to, you know, Dubai. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I and I. I, Yeah. I mean, 
I'm actually kind of excited to see Oregon, Ohio State. Yeah. Oh, Ohio State, USC, Michigan, USC. Like, that's yeah. interesting. That's an interesting game. Those are much better games than USC, Washington State. Yeah, I mean, you know, Derek, USC. Derek, he says it right here, USC yeah. in the big house. That's wild. Yeah. That's a good point, yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of new games that you get to experience that, you know, we wouldn't have previously experienced that will be worth it. It's worth sacrificing Washington State, Oregon, or something. I don't know. And probably the, the funniest thing out of all of it, you have Florida State being a beggar. So just bring, bringing up the caboose here, just being like, hey, so, so who wants to take Florida State? Huh? And, you know, the, the SEC is looking around being like, uh, out of here, Chief. I don't know. I think they, there's they, some legalities, too, that kind of make leaving the ACC tough at this point as well. Yeah. I, and and that one, uh, I saw they also have an element. They're looking for, like, private equity investment and some stuff. Like, Florida State's doing some things right now, but I joining the SEC, in my personal prediction, I don't think will be one of them. <laughs> will be one of the things that ends up happening. Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, if I, they... They would be one of the programs I think that could fit though. That has kind of a good game day atmosphere. Clemson's the obvious one. I feel like I've always thought West Virginia, Virginia Tech. I've always West thought Virginia, West Virginia because those crowds really get pretty rowdy at West Virginia. I feel like that would be entertaining. Like I want to see Alabama go in there and those West Virginia fans just lose their minds responsibly, and you know whatever happens happens. Yes, I I would be down with that. I yeah. Maybe I'm not a purist that I, I don't mind. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe we're not. Realigning. I, I kind of thought I was too. But as, as, I just have a hard time getting, maybe it's just age. I don't know. I just have a hard time yeah. getting worked up about it. College football is just fun, man. And I, I'm going to watch if it's, even I think somebody said in the, yeah, it was Derek here. He said, get ready for Maryland versus Oregon for the Big Ten Championship. I, I'll watch the hell out of that. <laughs> I don't care. I And yeah, question there. Where are they going to play the Big Ten Championship? Now that you're totally split, where like Minneapolis, Is Denver, that <laughs> Denver. <laughs> three feet Salt of snow Lake, in January, Lake City, <laughs> December. Yeah, I don't know. Minneapolis would be a good one. I mean, it's a dome, so yeah, that's true. And actually, would be a dome. yeah, 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 right for the Vikings. Yeah, that yeah. works. But yeah. we fixed uh, it for him. Yeah, there you go. Big Ten. Thanks. Write me a check. That, see, and that's something else. I this is this crossed my mind the other day, and I. You know, the Titans getting this new stadium, the SEC championship game in Nashville, moving it from Atlanta, I feel like would be absolutely perfect. I mean, what better place? Nashville's already done media days. You've done the NFL draft. They nail it every single time. Play the SEC championship game there. I mean, get it out of Georgia in that terrible state. Move it to Tennessee. Kind of a neutral game because Vanderbilt's never, ever going to be in it. So it's a neutral site. I think it works out just fine. That's undoubtedly what they're shooting for with that stadium. I mean, you look at those renderings. No, Super Bowls, they, all kinds Super of Super Bowls, events. championships. They 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 want, you know, a bigger bowl game. Like they want some something along, you know, those lines. I do feel like a bigger bowl game is coming. So especially they get that enclosed, you know, get a dome stadium like that, indoor stadium. I feel like suddenly a bowl game is that's gonna be very attractive. It won't just be you know, relegated to the Music City Bowl anymore. Maybe maybe they figure out a way to get a playoff game in there. I don't know what that contract looks like, but with the expanded playoff, that would I think the first round, I guess all that's home games, but that'd be nice to fit something in there. It really is crazy. I, I can't believe from 
from being born there in in Nashville, like it's almost hard to believe that I'm saying like Nashville is really like it's becoming the real deal. They're they're making moves. Uh as as much as you know, I kind of go like, why are we doing this for the Titans who only started getting fans in the last five years? And I say that as a giant Titans fan. I I am a huge Titans fan. Um, unless they start Will Levis this season, and then I'm gonna be a Detroit Lions fan, maybe. <laughs> but uh no, it's it is anywho, I could talk about that for a while too, so let's not go there. Think that's a show. Anything else for the good folks at home, Zach? No, that should uh that should about cover it. Let's uh you know, see what happens the rest of this week. And we'll be, you know, just a well, just just a few days closer since we'll be Monday next week, assuming there's no tornadoes or natural disasters your way. Yes. Everybody don't don't get in any weather anomalies. Everybody stay safe. Everybody again, pray for the health of these players. Uh <laughs> and, and for, for any off the field incidents, none of that, you know. Every, yeah, that's, I mean, they've really I think that's something that Josh Heupel is trying to mention. I think he pointed out that they really haven't dealt with any of that stuff. And outside of Georgia, I feel like we're seeing less of that stuff in general. And it's got to be NIL. Like if there's a byproduct of NIL that's really changed the sport or a byproduct that's come from NIL, it's the fact that a lot of these players are not getting in the off the field trouble because they know that's going to cost them money. Yep. A lot of incentive there to mind your P's and Q's, yep. which is nice. Um, yeah. So let's just all, all hope for that. And we'll come back on Monday next week and we'll talk about it all. Charlie Boris, Zach Reagan. This has been the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who watches and listens. Seriously, very literally, we could not do it without you. It means a ton uh, that you do listen. And, uh, you know, go follow us all over the place, social medias, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. You know where to find us. And we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.